fabulous people. Welcome, fabulous women, to the new Fabu show. I am tuned in, tapped in, turned on to who I really am. I am your host, the fabulous Doris Birch, founder of The Fab Factor. I am here to awaken feminine leaders to their Fab Factor. The woman who has always known she is different, call for more, not going to live the normal life, and is going to do what it takes, no matter what it takes, until it takes to create that, all while becoming highly visible so she can make a global impact to fully step into the who she is being called to, fully tapping into the power of the feminine. Yes, she has the audacity to prioritize the feminine. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an author. <coughs> Excuse me. I love the bling bling, thinking more fabulously, bigger, doing it differently, where we disrupt the status quo for women. We are rewriting the rules and we are doing it being fabulous, of course. And without sacrificing our femininity, spirituality, our personal fulfillment. The biggest question is, who are you actually at your core? Who are you and what did you come here to do? Many women are hiding. They are not willing to make the choice to let their old self die. They are quitting on themselves. But to create the vibrational space, to step into their new fab you, next level frequency in order to begin showing up in every area of their lives, in order to find the woman you wish to become, a choice needs to be made. Ready to say yes to your soul and become the next level new fab you now? It's going to take some inner determination and strength. But let me tell you and allow me to be crystal clear here. It takes a lot of courage to release the old, to step into the next level fabulousness of truth. When you can get real about who you are and say unapologetically, here's who I am. I think this way. I feel this way. I vibrate this way. I live on this sort of frequency and I show up this way. It's critical to do so if you are truly committed to having it all a life fully by design and on your terms in order to shift the old, become the real you, and finally break the pattern once and for all. Why? Well, simply, there are still too few women who are giving themselves unapologetic permission to have a seat at the I want it all table. And there are fewer women who truly own and command their space. You make choices out of guilt or shame or blame, you compromise, you settle, you sacrifice, you continue to sabotage or destroy. This affects everything. Is it any wonder that you don't really let yourself dream that dream anymore? Never mind, act on it. How do I know all of this? Well, it's because I've lived it. And it's the reason I think this must change and it must change now. Today's wave of spiritual women owning their power is unique, rare, and one of a kind. So what New Fab You is all about is letting go of the old, the distorted, the shadow you, who you thought you had to be, to the new Fab You who is fully unleashed in what she says, how she shows up, how she does business, how she does life. She knows what works for her. She backs herself unapologetically. She does it. Why? It is who she is and what she was born for. She did not come here for normal. So let me ask you, if you've had enough of just playing and you're actually ready to play life the way you know it's meant to be, make the decision to say goodbye to the old. It's time to stop trying to create a new you around the same old people. Stop trying to create a new you around the same old thinking. Stop trying to create a new you around the same old habits and stop trying to create a new you around the same old departure place. You just got to say yes. Well, you don't gotta, but you do if you want to change, to be who you really are meant to be. Then say yes to you, yes to your soul, yes to being accountable, yes to the up level. And as I said earlier, it takes immense courage. So enough, enough with hiding your light, 
enough with being less than, enough with trying to fit in, do it right, enough with saying you're different but not showing it. It's time to give yourself unapologetic permission to be new fab you. The age of the invisible woman is over. Wow. Today, saying that means something completely different to me than it has ever meant before. Why is that? Because there are too many things going on right now in the world that that opening thing should be a wake-up call for so many women. So today, I'm doing this conversation because I've been inundated with Facebook messages, text messages, phone calls of my white friends, colleagues, clients, just white people that know me because I'm a black woman, asking me how I am and all the all of this stuff. And I do not have the bandwidth to have an individual conversation with everyone over this over this um, racial time that is being brought to the forefront. And so I thought I'd just use my platform on my podcast to let's have a conversation about willful ignorance and the uncomfortable truths about the realities of institutional racism with white people. And really from my point of view, racism is a white problem. And it's that white people need to understand and fix because they are the ones that created it. And I understand a lot of you find this very sensitive to talk about and to go with. And you you and a lot of people are still like ostriches with their heads stuck in the ground. Do ostriches stick their head in the ground? Is that the right one? Whatever. Your head is in the ground. You're trying to deny it. There are still not enough voices, people who have platforms, leadership, speaking up here that have a community that serve a lot of the Black community that comes into their platform and their space. And they make money from. But as a Black woman, I do have a voice. And so since people are asking me how I'm doing, what's going on with me, how I'm feeling and all that, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to address some of that. But also, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give you a little backstory about me. So this can be taken a little bit farther than just me being a black woman. Um, my education is quite um, e- extensive. Um, education was stressed in my family. So on my mother's side of my family is that I am third generation educated. My mother's parents both my grandfather and my grandmother were both college educated. My grandfather was a pre-med um, uh, undergrad was what his focus was. He wanted to go to medical school to be a doctor. He did not actually get up going to medical school because his father passed away and he had to take care of his mother and his sister. And so he then when he graduated, he went in and got a job and he worked um, for the postal, the postal service. And he um, was in inside. He was not a mailman. Um, he was inside, you know, the part of, of whatever they do in the postal system. My grandmother was educated in education. So she got her undergraduate degree in education and she was an elementary school teacher. And um, because their parents on both sides stress education, because what I now really understand is that my great grandparents on both sides of for my grandmother and grandfather both understood the power of education for black people and they experienced probably a level of racism i can never even fathom and so they became educated they married my um grandmother her father was not going to allow her to marry a man who did not have a college degree that was he was not going to have his daughters live a certain way so all of his daughters had to marry educated black men um, 
and they were pretty much well-to-do Black people um, coming up in that time. My um, grandmother's father, he was actually an insurance um, salesman, he sold life insurance. Um, plus he also owned um, chickens and had like a miniature little farm and, you know, and all that. And they, 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 you know, farm their own food. Um, and he also had property. Amazing to think about the history, you know, and on my grandfather's side, of course, his parents still believed in their children being educated. And so they were. So then here comes my grandmother and grandfather get married and have my mom and my aunts and my uncles who um, also stressed education. And so my mom has her degree. She was a registered nurse and she had nursing um career. My two aunts were also educated in in, um, education. Um, And my one aunt got her master's degree in math. math. Um, She was a brilliant math teacher. And my other aunt went on to pursue even a doctorate degree in all education. Um, That aunt who has the doctorate degree on my mother's side um, was also involved in civil rights. So I grew up hearing, being in the mix of the conversation on civil rights. Now, on my dad's side of the family, I'm second generation education, educated. Um, My grandfather is uh, half Cherokee Indian and um, Black. And so they worked and my father and, and his older brothers all worked Um, so that their younger brothers and their nephew could all be college educated. So my one uncle has his JD degree. My other uncle got his um, undergrad and master's in education. And my, um, their nephew, which he always seemed like an uncle to me because of age and stuff. He too was educated um, and was a businessman. Um, Entrepreneur really, you know, into that space. And so, of course, in my thing, me and my sisters are all college educated. Um, I have one sister who has, has a master's degree. I have two master's degrees and currently working on a doctorate degree. Um, so that is real important. That is part of my foundation. And that is something I must say and state because that is all a part of why we are educated because of the underlying tone of institutionalized racism. It was our power to be educated. That was our footing. That was our ground. That was our way to step into the space um, to to be able to walk in any door. And so me having this background with um, having family members who fought in civil rights movement was all for the causes, you know, being a part of the NAACP, the Urban League. And just my own journey um, as a black woman going through becoming educated. So my experience is just my experience. I'm not here to speak for all black people. I can only speak for my personal experience and just my viewpoint. And that's all I'm giving. And so I just always have been very well equipped to be comfortable wherever I, whatever room, whatever space I went in. And it's insightful to realize and look back on my own personal journey to realize how comfortable because I came from people that made it possible for me to be comfortable going in any room, irregardless of anything as a black woman. And so, yes, I experienced racism very intriguing ways of it. I am fortunate to not been called to my face or anywhere that I could hear anything other than anything outside of me being a black woman. Now, have people probably called me names and everything? Oh, I'm sure they have, especially because the way I hold myself and how I come in. And I know I trigger people because I have the audacity to have this 
dissip this um i'll just go ahead and say it you know to to probably a viewpoint of some white people i have the audacity to be have the superior attitude i know they think i shouldn't have it because i should know my place whatever place that was that they thought i should have i was not aware of that place so i had my own place and i walked in it and i carried myself in the most um integrity and high esteem because that's who i was raised to believe to be and also, I was raised to know there were different races. I was not raised like so many white people that I know and white friends that I know to be like they don't see color or, you know, um, they see people as individuals and, you know, or the people, the proverbial people who have a um, have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse or whatever who happens to be black or somebody in their family married somebody black or they adopted a black child or whatever. To make it okay. And, you know, I get that's what you you do because you have this unconscious bias that lives within you. And that is why I say racism is a white problem and that white people need to understand and fix it. And you really have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in getting clear and understanding that racism um, with black people. And there are other people of color who experience racism, but I'm only focusing my conversation on black people um, because that's the one I know first off. And so when you recognize um, the primary goal, I think, is for people to recognize this is a system of racism has shaped our lives, all of our lives, but especially your life, because you uphold that system. And you are the ones who need to inter interrupt it because you get so sensitive if you are approached or you know someone who's black and they try to talk to you about their encounter with racism. And I know this first off. So I have some people who like to consider themselves my really good friend as a white person. And so if you're my really good friend and I share something with you, and I have done this with a couple of people, um, and it's made it very clear to me that I couldn't have that conversation with them because they didn't understand. They were not trying to understand. And because of that unconscious bias and that upholding that system of racism um, and that uncomfortable truth of Owning that there was institutional racism, if I told one of my white friends, which I have on a couple occasions, something I experienced as a racist or some form of racism, they totally discounted what I said. And they came in with their whiteness to correct me and let me know that that was absolutely not what happened to me. And so I don't get offended. I just know, understand very clearly that I cannot have that conversation with anybody um, because they don't really want to have that kind of conversation. And it's a sad thing. But now this world that we are in, this awakening that 2020 has bringing to the forefront is bringing it all out. And... My thing is for white people to understand that when you say, I don't see color, I just even commented on someone's post that, you know, her company, and I know they mean well, but this is institutional racism and systematic racism and they are that unconscious bias. So they were coming out with this t-shirt and I don't know if they still are, that said beauty has no skin tone. Think about that. Beauty has no skin tone. Oh my gosh. And I sat on that and I sat with that and I finally commented on it because I was just like, wow. That goes to that deep deconstructing of, I don't see color. And it trivializes Black people by well-intentional white people who are putting themselves against the charge of racism. Like, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to be there, but I'm going to create this shirt and says beauty has no skin color, has no skin tone. 
And beauty has many skin tones. Just the power of beauty has many skin tones would just resonate so much more powerfully if you were really going to take charge and, and create a stance against racism is to understand that beauty does have skin tones and that to say it does not have a skin tone is once again um, saying I don't exist as a black woman. Like, you know, you don't see my color and you do. I see your color as a white person. So you do see my color as a black person. And and when we can get clear about this statement that you see somebody as their thing, I just find it so intriguing that my message that I've been given to create a movement, a revolution around, don't be invisible, be fabulous, is the sheer thing about women not being invisible to themselves first and foremost. And that took on something different. Now it was like, don't be invisible because of the color of your skin. Because white people out of denial are creating these barriers. They're creating these barriers out of sheer denial. And so I got my second master's degree. So I have a master's degree. I majored in fashion merchandising and marketing. I'm in a field when I was in the fashion, I love fashion, everything in a place that kind of like welcomes all of people with differences. And then I got a master's in human resources and management because I love people and I love just the whole concept of how people operate. And I wanted to be able to make an impact for the companies I work for with um, with just on my own insight and journey and in the employment process or people coming in. But initially, when I had my HR career, I started out in comp and benefits. And I will tell you something that is really powerful um, and how um, unconscious biasness and institutional racism plays very heavily. So I still have a, my only one corporate friendship that I created, um, that we are still friends. We created a friendship outside of work over all these years. It's been a while. And we started work on the same day at this company. And so I also was working on a master's degree in public affairs with a concentration in government business relations to focus on diversity, equality, and inclusion. Because one thing I realized in my own career was how um, diversity, equality, and inclusion was really important. And that was at a time when it wasn't really in the forefront, um, like it is now, or even in the last 10 years, um, you know, that was just getting on the heels of that companies understood as corporate citizens, they shouldn't really have a diversity initiative and really be like focused on equality and inclusion and how their company is as a corporate client, a corporate citizen, um, in, in the world, in, in this community, how are they doing that? And so with me having a degree and focused on that, so I come here as a Black woman and I also come here with a master's degree in public affairs with a focus um, was on government business relations in, in diversity, in equality, and in inclusion. So, so I'm bring so I bring some of that to the table, um, even though that was really a short-lived career um, that I had at that time uh, for the company I worked for, because that company eventually went out of business, and so the work that I was getting started to do in this area sort of ceased. But it's so intriguing how it comes full circle. And now here it is. So I do have that voice as well. And that's why I know about institutional racism and how that shows up in people's lives. And that what I know is that so many companies and even nowadays, women who are creating companies and experiences have this diversity initiative. And, and generally, I find it laughable because you're not really dealing with it. it and to me, it's also sort of like an afterthought. It's like, let us make ourselves um, valid by creating this diversity initiative that doesn't really even deal with anything. Not really, because it can't really deal with anything. Because if there's going to be anything dealt with, you have to get with this insider whiteness and break down the uncomfortable truths about the realities of institutional racism and systematic racism and stop de 
destruct deconstructing your 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 way of beingness uh, on racism as denial and trivializing it by thinking you were somebody who's for it all and saying I don't see color, I just see people, and I gotta call BS on it. I gotta call it because if you want to be a better white person, understand this is gonna take long term work. Understand, this is about people's lives. And this is not about you being a better white person. And if you have a voice and you're an entrepreneur and you're a leader, this is very, very relevant in this time when you start building your brands and your companies intersect with people and you're showing up in the world and what is going to be your social climate in business and what are you going to do as a leader and an influencer and what are you going to stand on? Because here's the deal. This thing is not going away. When you look at the world that we are currently living in, where this thing has affected not just the United States of America, this has affected the entire world. Entire world where people are protesting. And I just saw a video, oh my gosh, um, on Monday. It spoke to me. I felt her from the depths of my soul when she was talking about it. Um, and it was a, a, a woman that Trevor Noah posted her video and she broke down protesters, rioters and looters in a way that will wake you up to understand things from a bigger perspective. And I have to say, if you are on this path, if you really want to make a difference, you need to be willing to look at things from a different perspective and you've got to get away from this 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 blindness that you like to live in and 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 just pretend like it doesn't exist or that you know I'm sure as people have said to me you know I live here in the Chicagoland area. I'm not originally from Chicago. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I grew up in the city. Um, so I have some insight on that. Here in the Chicagoland area, I live in the suburbs. So there's a different feel. I live in the suburbs. Why? So some people are like question why I live here and why I don't live in the city and why I'm just not all down with the black cause and all that stuff. Well, one reason is... We live in the suburbs because my husband's company is in the suburbs. So why would we live far away from the company? You know, that doesn't make any sense, just practicality. So we learn to adapt into wherever we're living. Now, I told somebody the other day, and it's so, so intriguing, um, you know, because I had a different experience. My husband had, husband has had a different experience. He grew up in the South in Mississippi. He grew up in the country. He didn't grow up in the city. He didn't even grow up in a suburb. The country of Mississippi in a country part is considered country. You know, cows, animals, people still have cows. My, my in-laws, the neighbors next door to them have cows. Okay. Cows, cows, like herds of them. So they live in the country. So there he, so he had a different experience. Plus he grew up in the South where there is still just amazes me because I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas City, Missouri. So I didn't experience some things in certain ways. But it amazes me still now, 2020, we were just there, that there is a Confederate flag in downtown of, of where he's from in the downtown part. When you drive through downtown, a Confederate flag. And that's just mind boggling to me because I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas City, Missouri in a city. I'm a city girl. And of course, there's no Confederate flag. But see, that's institutionalized racism, systematic racism. And it reminds the black people there. See, it's sending a message. It's sending a message until white people stand up and say, take that flag down because we're going to start using our dollars to, to fight against this. We're going to start using our voting power to do this. And so now it's the big phrase. You know, I know it's a different phrase from when I got my master's um, with my focus on diversity, equality, and inclusion, which is still relevant, but now it's anti-racist. And how are you going to practice that? And if you're really going to practice that, it requires you to get 
deeply into your truth. A lot of things that I said in the opening really does come back to this whole thing of who are you going to be as the woman? What are you going to give yourself unapologetic permission to do? Because it's time to say goodbye to old ways of thinking and trying to create a new you around same old people, same old thinking, same old habits, and same old departure place. The same old thinking, habits, departure places, and people where the institutionalized, systematic um, racism exists within you. Only because you were born white and you've got to get it. You you can be anti-racist, but you must understand that you're going to have to deal with the fact that you grew up in an environment that supported that. And until you get into your truth that you grew up in this environment that supported that underlying consciousness within yourself, and you're going to have to destroy it, disrupt it, and dis- and and say, you know what? That's tr- that's my truth. That's my truth. So how do I show up and be? a different version of me, or as this conversation for this show, a new fab you, where you really are at your core on who you are and what did you really come here for? And how are you really treating your space, your your um, your friends that, that you have that are Black people or people of color? And get crystal clear about that with yourself, because when you can get truthful about that for yourself, then we can start to change the conversation. Um, But what I want people to do is don't call me, don't message me because you want to have this conversation. Like, what do I need to do? You know, I like I have the answers and the only answer I have is really to start recognizing where you are contributing to the problem. Um, unintentionally because you have an unconscious bias and to be willing to let go of the guilt that you feel inside of yourself because of this unconscious bias. If you get down to the core that your ancestors came to the United States of America and stole the land from the Native Americans, my side of my bloodline, Cherokee Indians who were here, and it was their land, and you took it, and then your ancestors brought over people, Black people, to bring over to the United States of America to do the work to create this for your economics, when you can let yourself release that guilt that you have on what white people who immigrated to America, stole it from Native Americans, then brought Black people over from Africa. Y'all, white people, you've got to start looking at a bigger picture. You've got to let yourself get uncomfortable in this thing. You've got to do it if you want to be part of the change. And you're also going to have to be really aware of of what you are saying unconsciously um, with your unconscious biasness. See, that is the problem. That is the problem. You're you're sending messages even when you say you're anti-racist. I'm an anti-racist entrepreneur and leader. Well, if you're saying that you're an anti-racist entrepreneur and leader, now be one for real. Be one for real. Because here's the deal. Everything is rooted in capitalism and whiteness. And when you understand that you want to become an inclusive business 
an inclusive entrepreneur, an inclusive leader, look at everything you're doing, everything your company is doing, what you're doing. I had someone have a conversation with me last week. We belong to this amazing organization. And this woman is a white woman. And she voiced her concern because she didn't see any black speakers for the upcoming um, conference that we have. I see that all the time. Over the course of my entire career, I constantly see white people doing things in the world and they never include a black person. Like there's no black person that they know that could add something to the conversation in the space. There are a lot of white women who are hosting events that never have a black person a part of it. They, well, as far as the, the speaking and the leadership of it, they have it as you know, people come and pay and, and sit in the audience and look at people who don't, who don't look like them. But they don't have it inclusive where they're saying, you know what? I think you are a colleague and I think you were playing on the same level. And I remember calling out because I remember this one woman um, and I met her when I lived in St. Louis. And oh, my God, she was so excited that she was part of this, going to be a part of this conference, this this big global conference and everything. And when she posted the picture, it was all white women, all white women, not even an Asian woman or a Hispanic woman um, or a Muslim woman. It was no person of color. It was just all white women. And I was like, how on earth is this? organization that's like globally saying they're here for women and you have a panel of speakers that are all white. I was like, no. And I commented on it. I was like, you know, whatever I said at that time. And then guess what? I don't know if it was my comment. I don't know if anybody else, but maybe I wear them. Then they brought in, they, they brought in some more people and they brought in a put a black woman's face on there and they had an Asian woman's face. And I was like, okay, good. Cause yeah, you, you, I don't think you should ever do anything and you're speaking to women um, and you don't have inclusiveness. And some people look at me and like, Oh, you know, I'm one of the few people they know um, who's a black woman who runs her business, who has, um, and I'll own it. You know, majority of the people that are in my space and work with me are white women. It is what it is. Now, far as people spending money, I do not have any say to make a black person spend money with me. Uh, I have had black clients, but I have majority white clients. But as far as anything that I do that is a uh, free thing, I try to always be inclusive because I'm fully aware that women, there is a whole her a whole host of different types of women in the world. So I'm always inclusive in inviting all types of women to participate in anything I'm doing. Um, and some say yes, some say no, some ignore me, whatever. Um, but I still do always am aware of that because I know the importance of trying to get a voice of each different woman, of women of different races to, to share their story. Because I think it's important for us to see women, um, multiple women from different backgrounds, share their entrepreneurial journey and their uh, feminine leadership journey and just their journey in being a woman. I think that's very important. Um, but like I said, as far as my pay program, I can't make someone black pay me. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's that's a whole nother ball game. Um, and so it is what it is. And I don't know why it is, but it is what it is. Um, but I want to um, be like, do people have questions? You know, this whole um, you know, people want to be this ally ship, you know, being like, I'm your ally and, you know, I'm anti-racist and I'm going to put all these practices on board and I'm going to be conscious of it. And I see some people doing it and I really do comment on those women who I have known and have worked with some of those women who are now being very proactive in, in doing their thing um, because they realize that they have not held up to the level of feminine leadership in the space of having diverse groups 
and dealing with that and and making it known and becoming aware and understanding you know their white privilege and you do have white privilege and it just is and it's oh and it is what it is but what do you do with it i'm like if you have something to do with it say what you do with it i see some people have said something um looking at the underlying unconsciousness within myself how do i show up differently doris thank you for your insight on like live appreciate you and all that stuff thank you thank you thank you i don't know who actually said that because if you don't give um steam your your permission for your name i don't know exactly who you are until i get off of this uh because it just comes up as facebook user hey amy hey lisa um you know we just know now we are faced with some things that we have to change. And my thing is, you know, I will continue to do what I do. I will continue to be who I'm being. My message is for women to don't be invisible, be fabulous. I feel like I'm having an Esther moment for such a time as this, for the don't be invisible, be fabulous movement to explode with women not being invisible and especially around the piece of being uh, racism and anti-racist and um, just getting out there and being conscious and knowing. And so here's the one thing I want to say for those of you, because I think I only had one person reach out to me that um, said something really powerful. And I really appreciated how she came at it. But most of the people have just come in and be like, how are you? You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, how are you? And I was like, and, you know, I'm like, huh, that question, how are you? You know, it just absolutely freaking is irritating because it's too freaking vague. It's too freaking vague because here's the deal. I could say I'm fabulous because that's what it is the truth. I'm always fabulous. I'm always fabulous regardless of what's going on in the world and circumstances. But how are you? Um, but I had somebody really do something different. One person, only one person who reached out. Of all the people who reached out to me, I feel like one person, maybe I didn't. And if some of you who, who are watching this reach out to me and I might not even um, heard that you said this or maybe I saw it differently because I could have seen it differently, um, you know, is that somebody was like, I'm thinking of you and I'm here for you if you need anything at all. Um, it's just intriguing because um, this has been some insightful stuff. And. Like I believe 2020 is a is the year of awakening. And so I'm I'm from that end, and then I'm from the end of there's some triggering things happening, you know, things that I'm seeing that even it's like, oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's like you're not even wanting to believe that this level of of hatred, this level of 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 just meanness and superiority that you're seeing in some white people is just happening. And there are some white people that I'm actually, we have, we have done business together who are putting out some of the most horrific things. And I've just like had to hit the snooze button on there and be like, not see those people's posts for 30 days because I'm trying to really decipher that kind of interaction. So I take it back to what I was talking about, that um, that unwilling ignorance that is just going through that person, um, that they're saying some of the things that are just mean and ugly. And why is it? It's that segregated in white people because you grew up around nothing but white people it's that unconscious bias that keeps going through generation after generation after generation after generation it's the things you've heard from generations before before and before that go through you so you don't understand the power of it all see that sub you know i work with women on subconscious reprogramming that even is going to be the case for some of you who need to get to this place to be really using, you know, the term anti-racist is one thing. Being a person who's anti-racist is another thing because you got to break through subconscious beliefs. 
that have been ingrained in you. And if you understand the power of epigenetics and how that even translates, that translates even through racism, through who we are being. And so when you have come in an environment where you are segregated with your whiteness people and you're always in that thing and you some people have never, ever, 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 ever encountered a black person until they came into their corporate space or maybe college or anything like that. I went to a very racist college. Oh, my gosh. So. It's just it's just a host of things to even say. Because I was not prepared for it. I was not prepared for it. My journey in college was intriguing. I wanted to major in fashion merchandising because I was I loved everything fashion. I just slept, ate it, breathed it. And I wanted to go to the to the Fashion Institute of Technology. But my mom didn't think that was a real degree. So she didn't have me go, you know, just her own thing of because it wasn't going to be a bachelor's degree. It was going to be an associate degree at that time when I was going to go off to college and having an associate degree was not going to be good enough in my family. You needed to have a bachelor's degree. The bachelor's degree had more weight than an associate degree. I get it. I know where they were coming from because all of that was for me to be able to be in the whiteness world. That's really what it was about. It's why I'm so highly educated. It was my footing and it was my ground and it was my way of coming in the door saying, hey, but here's the deal. Even though I had all of that, I was still discriminated against. You know, sometimes at the time I didn't know, especially with work, I didn't know it because I was young and I didn't know. No, it really. And I and this is how I discovered it. So I, and I think I was going to say this earlier and I got thrown off track. So when I got my first job, um, as a corporate um, in the corporate space where I left the field because I always worked in in uh, retail merchandising. I mean, yeah, retail merchandising in the retail sp field space, but I was always out in the field in the stores. And I built my career there, but then I got tired and I wanted to go in and be, I have a corporate job and work Monday through Friday and have these set hours and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't realize, you know, at the time that uh, when I went into this position, <clears throat> Uh, that that was going to be my uh, be a real opener for me being um, for a racist uh, kind of experience to happen without me even knowing. It was that unconscious biasness uh, and just my sheer un un unknowingness on the whole field of getting a corporate job and salaries and all this stuff. I just didn't know about it. You don't know what you don't know until I had got the job in the comp. So I got it. So I was in comp and benefits. So I learned some of the, the, the nuances of all that. And the woman that I was going to tell you earlier, who I still are my friend today, was is who's the only person I met in the corporate space that is actually a friend. We develop a friendship and is my friend, Cynthia, who is Puerto Rican. And she has this amazing complexion and she has this really fabulous look. People didn't know what she was. People would ask me, what is Cynthia? What is Cynthia? What is Cynthia? And I'm like, she's a woman, you know, boom. I wasn't going to go there with people, whatever. But anyway, Cynthia started the same day as I did. We started the same day, same department. However, she came in in a better position than me and a higher salary than me, which I found out later, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but found out later once I could get in because once you're in that you can get in the system and you can see salary information and all that stuff. And I came in with a master's degree. She came in with a bachelor's degree. Systematic racism. And that happens to black people all the time. It's the one reason once I got it and I was like wanting to be on the employment side, because once I got it, I wanted to be able to help people who were interviewing, especially if they look like me, have a foot up without exposing the whole system, but giving them some insights, especially when it came to asking for the money if they got offered a job. Because I realized how I was a product of systematic racism as far as paying me and recognizing me at my level of education. And so that was crucial to know 
And it happens all the time. And it still happens all the time. And this is how things are going to have to change um, because people have to become aware. But oh, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> oh. it's crazy. So now I will always challenge anybody that I see who writes something um, that is stupid to me. And that's just how I'm going to call it and take away from the underlying thing. It's just like somebody posted like, oh, and I posted on my Facebook page. I'm not going to word it correctly. But anyway, they just like want to make sure just the, the, the officer that killed George Floyd, the, like there are all these other good officers. Um, you know, yeah, the officer that killed George Floyd and then the officers were standing around watching George Floyd get killed. Um, the officers in Buffalo, New York, who knocked down a 75 year old man and he happened to be white. They knocked him down, walked past him, his head started bleeding and a herd of officers walked past him while he laid on the sidewalk with his head bleeding. And those were black and white, Asian, who knows, officers. it was all kind of officers in that category. Um, the officers that pulled the two black officers who pulled the college students in Atlanta, Georgia, out of their car, young people, probably like my son's age out of the car. They were in the car, minding their own business, trying to get their friend in the car because they were trying to get out, but they were in a, a line of cars trying to get out and they pulled them out of their car and beat them and tased them. And then the officers here in the Chicagoland area who pulled two black women out of their car proclaiming they were looters, which they were not, and pulled them out of their car, beat them, tased them. The man put his knee on her neck briefly. So you want to say they're good officers. Oh, people want to bring that up. And it's like distracting. See, that's how white people distract against what else is going on. You want to bring up the officer thing because you don't want to deal with the overall thing of racism in the world, which is being talked about because it was George Floyd. Was was God has used George Floyd, which he always uses the people who are the least um, ones that you would think he would use. I just love how God works in the world because he's using George Floyd. When you if for those who saw the funeral yesterday. And you've got to know there's a bigger point to everything. And God created the universe, if you believe that or not. And since God created the universe, he is going to let it go so far and he's going to shift things and all that. So a lot of things are shaken up now because it needs to be shaken up. Everything needs to be shaken up. And he used this man and people are pointing out his flaws and his mistakes and his errors in life as if none of us have flaws and mistakes and errors in our life. All of us, if you're living and you're breathing this very day, you have flaws, you have things you did, errors and stuff. Ours just aren't out there in the world. And nobody's and technically, as far as God sees things, is nobody's sin is any worse than anyone else's sin. So that this man gets to be used as the, the thing that has shaken up the entire planet, the world where people are protesting all over the world. Got to bring it to another question. And that's all about racism. And people want to now deflect from that and talk about police officers. No, talk about racism. Stop deflecting. Stop deflecting about what's really happening and get to the place of, doing something different and get past yourself. So yeah, I'm challenging people on things they say because I think, you know, you need to say something. Let's see. Lisa, I've been discriminated against. You are always fabulous. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate your sharing your experiences and thoughts. I think white people understand all the daily things about life that we 
do without even thinking and that it's not that way for black and brown people, even right down to what they're naming their children. Yeah, I'm so thankful for meeting people with different backgrounds than I am. You know, the beauty is to always meet people in different backgrounds because the thing is we can always learn from people from different backgrounds and stuff, Um, you know, but see people who they are. I want you to see me, the fabulous Doris Birch. I am a black woman. I don't want you to discount me and say you don't see my color because you have to see my color because if you don't see my color, you don't see me and you're not really recognizing me as a human being. I just happen to be a black one. But I'm a woman. And generally, regardless of our our race as women, we experience the same things. We hurt. We have children. We're moms. We are wives. We're sisters. We're aunts. We're daughters. Um, we can relate to so many things and have so many things um, that are in common. It's just our skin is different. And here's the thing. In all of our races, we can meet people in our same race that too has a different life experience. It's just to honor the human. And I think this is where we're getting to in the world is we've got to honor the human. We've got to honor people for who they are. And we can't create these things where we're no longer looking at the person for who they are being, for who they are and, and discounting it and not seeing them and not saying, I don't see color or I just see you as a person. I was even in one of my groups and one of my former coaches that I work with in her group, she was going to do this training with this one woman who was going to be teaching on diversity, equality and inclusion for white coaches. And a white woman in the group was offended, offended because the woman used white coaches because she didn't want to see. She's like, I don't see myself as a white person. And I just was like, what? I, I, I'm just like. Herein lies the problem. Herein lies the problem. So if any of you, my white friends, colleagues, clients, don't see yourself as white, please see yourself as white because you are. And it's okay. It's okay to be white. It's not like it's not okay to be white. It's okay to be white. It's okay to be black. It's okay to be Asian. It's okay to be Hispanic, Filipino, all the colors that we come in. It's absolutely okay. But don't get to the place where you are offended because that goes with that insensitivity, that denial that um, of, of not honoring the truth of who people are. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I've said. I don't know if any of it has been really helpful or not. Um, other than... I just want to say, be aware of your white privilege because you do have it. And here's the deal. Oh, and I don't say this to offend anybody or to make anybody feel guilty. But it is the absolute truth from my perspective. Is that even the poorest, poorest, poorest of what they call white trash has white privilege and they know it. It is just like the example of the woman, what her name, Amy Cooper or whatever, that, that, that was in Central in the park in New York and you saw it? That was like demonstration of it to the umph degree. And that reminded me of the white girl that I went to college with had that attitude, you know, like, oh, it was just interesting. And they would put it because I, you know, I went to a school that didn't have a lot of black people and I went to the Boo Hill, Missouri, which is quite racist. And so I have had my share of experiences of of trying to not be included, not seen, not heard. And to try to stop me from being educated. That school did everything it possibly could to deter me from, from completing my degree. It is quite insightful, some of the things they pulled, um, but 
they had they they had a low percentage of black graduates and they were proud of that. They didn't want you graduating. They didn't want you having that power. They were going to have to have control over that. And so when you are, let's see, I'll end this with, so we can end, this has been an hour. Um, when you start speaking up about the legalizing and the creating systems around racism and you start this, declaring yourself as an anti-racist and you want to start being that breaking down those legalizations and those systems of racism and you want to start having a voice in it, then you need to start getting really crystal clear about who you're going to be and how you're going to speak up and how you're going to hold yourself as a white person. And you're going to have to go through the great depths of growth and you're going to have to get really honest with yourself about being aware and being open to share with women and people of diverse backgrounds. And here's the thing, as fabulous women, you are in an opportune space to step into this. You're in an opportune space to step into this because we can speak love and we can speak truth and we can create a world that is diverse, inclusive and creates a sense of belonging for everyone. You are, you play a role in this. You have a huge role in this. And so there is immense power in what you can do with breaking down systematic racism. Is it going to take a while? Absolutely. Are you going to have to be in it to win it? Absolutely. Are you going to have to make small and profound steps along the way? Absolutely. But you're going to do it because it is what is going to be required of you to do if you really are going to call yourself an anti-racist. You're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is the work. This is the work as a leader. This is the work as a woman entrepreneur. This is the work as a woman having a business. And then continue to create the connections and the willingness to engage. I'm happy to do that in a powerful way. Because racism in this country is and always has been its own pandemic for humanity that has disproportionately affected black people on a global scale. And it's time to cease it and create a world that literally is conscious of diversity, equality, and inclusion. I am the fabulous Doris Birch. Remember, don't be invisible. Be fabulous.